can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. So Joe, we're talking about nipples on this episode and I just have to tell you something that's just happened to me. Yeah. So I woke up this, I didn't even know did I? I had a look at the schedule last night in bed before I went to sleep and I did see nipple care with Dr. Lucinda. So I don't know whether that got in deep into my subconscious, <laughs> but I'm like asleep. Obviously, I'm asleep dreaming. And as I sat down at my desk and I was like, that is such a weird coincidence. But now that I think about it, it probably was in my subconscious. I was topless in the dream and there must have been someone else that just had the most shocked look on their face. And I looked down and I pulled my boob up and there was like a third nipple underneath <laughs> my nipple. I think third nipples are usually just, you know, in Friends, how he has like, is it, what does he call it? A nubbin. Nubbin. Yeah. It wasn't a nubbin. It was actually a fully formed oh. areola and nipple. Maybe there are third nipples like that. I'd love to know. Anyway, that was the end of the dream and I woke up and I came to sit at my desk and I was like, <laughs> that's such a weird dream. What a weird coincidence that I dreamt that I had. And in my head in the dream, I was thinking, I don't know if you can get them like removed. I don't know. That would be one for us to research, I think. If anyone has a third nipple, let us know in the Facebook group. Nipples. How many? It's a very minor birth defect. And in some cases, Uh they may be genetic. They're actually quite common, occurring in 1% to 5% of the population. Really? Yeah. So third nipples may also have an areola and underlying breast tissue. And some people may have more than one additional nipple. So actually, it's more common. And this podcast is all about normalizing yeah things maybe we should hear from someone yeah. that's had a third nipple free the multiple nipples i've only had a third nipple in a dream yes you can't really speak to it <laughs> i really don't know much about it well if someone would be willing to come on here and talk about it i am absolutely willing to have them on yeah, yeah. let's normalize this do it Because I felt friends didn't normalize it at all. Yeah, we need to break the stigma. So I think we need to hear from someone. Now, I have a a trigger warning for anyone that can't cope with like popping pimples. If that's you and you can't even think about the thought of pimple popping videos, just skip forward by like, I don't know, a minute. My boyfriend had this cyst on his back. He's had like a couple of little cysts. He had one on the back of his head a while ago. And this particular cyst on his back looked like it was getting a white head on it. So he was like, just try and squeeze it a little bit to see if something comes out because it's getting a bit bigger. How big? I want to know how big this cyst. I would say it was like a 20 cent piece. quite big. Size, like on his shoulder blade kind of. Yeah. So I go to give it a bit of a squeeze and there's some stuff coming out. And so it's quite easily being squeezed and can I just say I was wearing gloves and I did alcohol swab it? She is a dermal therapist as well. Don't do this. Yeah, I wasn't wearing protective glasses and a mask though. <laughs> oh, no. And I should have been <laughs> because I squeezed uh, as hard as I could with my two thumbs together 
and it just burst out onto my face. (laughs) Oh, my God. So the cyst juice has just squirted onto my forehead and, like, my eyebrows. At least you didn't have your mouth open. Imagine if your mouth was a little bit open and then it spurted into your mouth. Yeah, I didn't have my mouth open. It didn't go into my eyes, but it did squirt onto my face, which can I just say I quite enjoyed. (laughs) 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 I live for pimple popping, so that was like my dream come true. I can't believe you just said that. I love the honesty. Anyone else who loves pimple popping videos would have just like loved that. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, it's now I think infected. So we might have to take him to the doctor, but (laughs) it's infected now. It was worth it. Are you sure it's, is that a cyst? If you can squeeze it. Yeah, you can still pop cysts. But the cyst is still inside, right? It's still in the sac. Yeah. So bacteria can just get in. And then obviously it can get a bit infected. So I might just have to do a little round of antibiotics, I think, but he'll be right. (laughs) Maybe he should have gone to the doctor. But he's such a good sport for letting me pop it as well. (laughs) He just lets me pop any like pimple or anything. He risked infection. Yeah. He's like, ah, it'll be right. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I think you should probably get that checked. Did you not dress it after? Uh, No, let it breathe. Let it breathe. Alcohol swabbed it. Oh, okay. Let it dry out. I love your relationship. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. How would you have felt if it got it into your mouth? Ah, uh, that might have been too far. I think that might have pushed me towards not liking it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Hannah, what is on the episode today? On today's episode, well, you guys know already, we're talking about nipple care <laughs> with Dr. Lucinda. Then we are chatting about the benefits of hot springs and, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. Today, we have our resident GP back in the building. Welcome, Dr. Lucinda. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? We're good. Today, we're talking about nipples. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually wondering why you guys were bringing up this topic, because normally you bring up things that you guys may have experienced. Well, okay. So this is a secondhand experience because three of my best friends have newborn babies. So I'm hearing a lot about breastfeeding, a lot about nipples, a lot of things that I haven't heard before. And it's great because everyone's sharing information. I feel well prepared when it's my time. But, Mm. yeah, there's a lot of nipple chat going on in the group text. (laughs) That's great. So let's start with the glands on your nipples because I don't think this is something I knew until very recently. I heard that the glands on your nipples produce an oil that's meant to lubricate them. Is that true? Yeah, it's very true. It's just like around your nipple, you've got that areola area, which is the darker pigmented circle. Mm. And that has something called Montgomery glands, which secrete exactly what you said, which is an oily fluid. And that basically helps protect the skin of the nipple and the areola during breastfeeding. But it also has another hidden quality and produces the mother's own individual scent that attracts the baby to her breast. Oh, what? That's wild. I know. (laughs) wild it blew my mind that women produce more like white blood cells or something when they can sense that the baby is sick such a communication between mum and baby incredible body is pretty fascinating once you start learning about it (laughs) 
How can pregnant mums prepare their nipples for breastfeeding? So the good news is... I guess they already have the smelly oil <laughs> Yeah, <there>. exactly. <laughs> it's the thing. The good news is, is that you don't really need to do anything. Your body basically, whilst you're pregnant, kind of does it for you. So your nipples become more supple and soft during pregnancy, which is, you know, even if you've got flat or inverted nipples, so where your nipples are pointing inwards rather than outwards, all nipples soften, ready for breastfeeding. And in the first few weeks, as I've heard, it can be really uncomfortable and you can experience a lot of like irritation and soreness. Are there any methods you can recommend for reducing nipple discomfort? I've got a few recommendations, surprisingly. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) Well, it's really great that you brought this up and I assume that it's because what you heard was pretty surprising from all the Mm. people that you know because no one really gets to be taught about these things. And about 80% of new mothers report significant Mm. nipple pain in the first week of breastfeeding. And it's actually a major reason as to why mums stop breastfeeding before they Mm. actually want to. So I'm really glad you've actually brought this topic up. From a medical point of view, the most important thing to understand about nipple pain is that it's not normal, nor are cracked nipples or bleeding nipples. So if any of those things are happening, please speak with your midwife, or your breastfeeding counsellor or lactation consultant or your GP who knows something about breastfeeding. Because the most common reason as to why your nipples start hurting is usually because the baby's not attaching well onto your breast. So that attachment, the latch, the positioning is so important to correct and get right before thinking about, you know, using any creams or nipple shields or anything like that. Because if that's not right, then nothing really is going to work and you're going to get really sore nipples that might even get infected. It could be other reasons potentially like maybe the baby has tongue tie and that's where you find that your nipple looks really flat and squashed the baby's not gaining weight appropriately going back to actually the latch breastfeeding if you don't mind sort of hearing a little bit about it but basically I think a lot of us think that when a baby breastfeeds they're just sort of sucking on the nipple like that's surely that's just what the nipples are there for but actually they're supposed to be taking a lot more in of the breast itself so you know like that areola area almost all of that really should be inside the mouth because the way for baby to get the best flow of milk is instead of the nipple being on the hard palate of our mouth which is just at the beginning of the roof of our mouth they want to be aiming for the soft palate which is a lot further behind so you can actually feel for this if you suck on your own thumb and initially you feel the hard palate and then you feel that nice soft palate that's what you're aiming for because otherwise the friction of the hard palate is really going to rub on the nipples and make them split unfortunately. Mm, That's really good information. Yeah and it's weird because it's like the opposite of what we think that that nipples are just just that bit supposed to be used. And there are some women that actually get infections though which would be different and that's incredibly painful is that right yeah absolutely and it's something whereby like it's happening like you're feeling the pain there like all the time as well and like say for example your latch is really good but after like even like a week of babies feeding great, gaining weight, but your nipples are still really sore, they definitely might be infected. Is it the milk ducts that get infected? It's a bit of a mixture. So it could just literally be the skin on the outside, the milk ducts. Obviously, it could even spread further and go into like a breast infection. But mainly what you're looking out for are sort of like soreness of the nipple area, swelling. Sometimes if it's like a little bit of thrush, you might have this sort of white patchy area over the nipple, 
might even be in the baby's mouth as well or it could be a bacterial infection where it's just like potentially just really painful might be a bit crusty maybe a little bit of discharge coming from the nipple and the lastly it's like actually getting like a cold sore kind of virus like a herpes simplex virus and they can be like ulcers around like the nipple or even in the baby's mouth as well Ow. yeah so if you are getting any pain the most important thing is like I know you can look things up online and the Australian Breastfeeding Association is amazing. Please don't. (laughs) Don't Google. You know, there's so much help available and it's really readily available as well. I guess another thing that can cause trauma to the nipple as well is using breast pumps. So if you're using them on too strong of a setting, Mm -hmm. for example, if they're not sitting well, that's also another thing to bear in mind. You probably learned a little bit about breast pads as well, Joe, (laughs) because your nipples do then leak breast milk and it's a very new thing you're like wow what's going on but just trying to keep the nipples nice and dry in between breastfeeding is really important as well and kind of going on to a bit of like causes of nipple pain first before we go into other bits and bobs so I hope you don't mind and then there's other things like white spot or like milk blisters that people may have heard of so it's this basically a blocked nipple pore mm-hmm. and it looks like a white little bleb on the nipple Sometimes it doesn't hurt at all. Sometimes it is a bit sore, but please try and avoid scraping it. Just maybe pop a little bit of olive oil on it or coconut oil, or maybe a warm compress. The baby often basically sort of manages to sort of split that open itself. But if you really need it split open, you need to go and see a doctor about that. They need to do a sterile Mm -hmm. (laughs) little thing there. (laughs) Otherwise you can get an infection, which we obviously don't want. Are there any like general treatments you can recommend like creams or as you said before, nipple shields. Like a purified lanolin cream or ointment can be really good Mm -hmm. around the nipple. And you can use that if they're really sore and put it on before breastfeeding and after breastfeeding and it's safe uh, for your baby to actually sort of suck on the nipples. You don't need to wipe it off. And obviously then the nipple shields as well, of which are basically mainly there for usually like premature babies, first weeks of breastfeeding, if you, especially if you've got flat or inverted nipples. But it's really important to bear in mind that before using any of these things, like the ointment or the nipple shields to actually seek advice, mm. because you might first of all not need it and nipple shields are genuinely a last resort before you know you've got to try all the other things first because they can actually cause more issues and also you need to be sized up to make sure you've got the right size because otherwise that can cause trauma mm-hmm. to the nipple again and then you also need to have sort of like the breastfeeding counselor make sure that they watch you put it on see how you breastfeed it with it on and also be there to help you wean the baby off it please try not to do it on your own and without any sort of advice and help from someone who really knows what they're doing. After you finish breastfeeding, if you take a little bit of the breast milk and you sort of swipe that over your nipple and let it air dry, because it's got sort of, it's got healing properties in it. Like that's one of the best things that you can possibly do. That's one my mum recommends and she's a midwife. So I trust that one. (laughs) That some people put like warm water that's been boiled and cooled down. But honestly, if you can just put some breast milk on it, that's like the best thing. If your nipples are super sore and you've obviously seen someone make sure there's no infection and that going on, but you're sort of waiting maybe for some more help you can first of all make sure you can take a break from sort of physically breastfeeding but sort of continue to express the milk either yourself gently with your hands or use a breast pump on a very gentle setting one thing three of my friends have sworn by is these silver shields that you put on between breastfeeding Mm. they're meant to be like healing 
and they soothe discomfort. And three, so my sister-in-law and two of my friends, both, all of them were like, these are a godsend. So I'll have to find out where they're from and put a link in the episode notes. That sounds great. (laughs) We're going to delve a little bit deeper into breastfeeding in a future episode as well. But, you know, we wanted to cover the nipple stuff first and then we'll get into the breastfeeding side of things. But we've learned a lot today. I can take this information (laughs) back to my friend group and actually contribute. (laughs) That oil that's on the nipple, that's crazy to me. I did not. You know, it's like I was today years old. Yes. Like when I, yeah, that's how I feel right now. The stuff we've learned on this podcast. I hardly know anything about my body, which is crazy. (laughs) Thanks, Dr. Lucinda. Oh, it's a pleasure. And take care, guys. All the best. So today we're talking about the benefits of hot springs. I have Dr. Mark Cohen with me. Now, he is currently the medical director of the Peninsula Hot Springs Group, so no one better to talk about hot springs, and also the founder of Extreme Wellness Institute. Now, he is a medical doctor, a university professor, and a wellness trailblazer, so I feel like there's no one better qualified. Mark, what do you think? (laughs) I mean, I love talking about hot springs. I can talk all day about them. So yeah, really happy to be here. Great. I look forward to it. All right. So let's jump into it. I've been to a few hot springs before, including the Peninsula Hot Springs. So can you explain to us what they actually are and what benefits hot springs can offer? So hot springs are just natural geothermal outlets where water from underground gets heated up and comes to the surface. And ever since humans were humans, they've found places where natural hot water was around and they've been treated as sacred and healing places and they make you feel good. I guess it's only in the last few hundred years they've become like really commercial places. I mean, the Romans used to have a whole culture around hot springs. Now they're sort of re-establishing a bathing culture where you can go and relax in natural hot water. They're very different around the world. In Europe, often they're very clinical and they're often hospitals are built around them and people come for treatments. Ah, really? Yeah, absolutely. You know, balneotherapy is quite a, a advanced therapy, which is hot springs therapy. And you can be a, a, like ah. a specialist doctor that specialises in balneotherapy and treating people using hot spring waters. Okay. Every hot spring is different because the minerals the water comes through. So there are magnesium springs and sulfur springs and lithium springs. So minerals in the water impart a a therapeutic effect depending on what those minerals are. Mm -hmm. So what kind of effects could we see from using hot springs? The most obvious effect is it's really relaxing. Mm -hmm. You're relaxing in nature in hot water. I can agree with that, yeah. (laughs) And the water is supporting the weight of your body. The minerals soak into your body through the skin. Some hot springs, you, actually, you can drink the water as well. Often hot springs also have a range of temperatures. So it's not just the relaxing temperature about 37 degrees. Often they'll have very hot pools, you know, 42 degrees, or even in Japan they go to 47 degrees, which is sort of crazy. That's a way to stress your body, just like a sauna or a a steam room or a very hot bath. It stresses your body and that has a lot of benefit. It's like getting really high intensity exercise while you're relaxing. And often they also have cold plunge pools. Well, that's what I was going to ask because Hannah, my co-host, went to New Zealand maybe a couple of years ago now, and she said that they went into these springs, but they were freezing. Mm. So it's really nice to alternate hot and cold. And what that does, temperature is one of the most powerful ways to move blood around your body. When you're in the heat, the blood comes to the surface and all your blood vessels open up and dilate, and that flushes any waste products through your body. And then when you go to the cold, all your blood vessels are exercised, so they contract, 
and the blood is forced in the core of your body and then the blood goes through your liver and your kidneys and any waste products are excreted. Mm -hmm. You've got about 100,000 kilometres of blood vessels in your body and they're not under voluntary control. And a lot of disease happens because your blood vessels aren't healthy. Mm-hmm. So this is a way, it's like a bicep curl for your blood vessels. You know, they relax and then they contract. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's a really nice thing to go from hot to cold. And it's also a way of stressing your body and you can practice being relaxed while you're stressed. Okay. And that's, it's sort of what you do in yoga. You know, in yoga, yeah. you, you'll start to stretch and you get to the point when your body says, don't stretch any further or you'll hurt yourself. And then at the end of that stretch, you, you're in an uncomfortable position and you practice being relaxed and you do a few relaxed breaths in that uncomfortable position. Mm-hmm. And then you move and you stretch the other way. Well, it's the same with temperature. You can go to a point where you're really hot and your body says, hey, it's too hot, get out of here. And at that point, you're very stressed. So then you can practice being relaxed in that stress. Right. And then you do a few relaxed breaths and then you can move and you go to the cold and then your body says, hey, it's too cold and you practice being relaxed in the cold. And then just like in a yoga class when you'll do a a relaxation at the end of the class, you can do the same in the hot springs where you practice being relaxed while you're relaxed. And that can be in a chair or it can be in a warm pool. But that relaxation you get after your body being stressed, really profoundly calming and relaxing. And all your stress hormones come back to balance. Your blood pressure comes back. Your mental state gets really relaxed. It's a really good time to make decisions when your body and your mind are on the same page. I've done research on this where we've looked at people, why they go to hot springs around the world. And one of the things that everyone talks about is you sleep better. Yes, you do feel so zen after going in a hot spring? I mean, I still do a bit of medical practice. And one of the things I say to my patients is I want people to sleep well and digest well. Because mm-hmm. if you're not sleeping well and digesting well, your body can't recover itself. Mm-hmm. And when you are sleeping well and digesting well, anything else you do is supported. Hot springs is one of the great ways to make you really get a good night's sleep. So how often would we need to use a hot spring to see benefits? Like is a once-off situation okay or is it something that we should be kind of doing regularly if you want to see ongoing benefits? I would say as often as possible. Certainly one-off is great. I mean, you go there, it's like a mini holiday. Mm-hmm. Usually the next few nights you'll sleep really well. And sometimes you just need a, a really good night's sleep to sort of reset your body and overcome sort of that build up of exhaustion that happens. Now, it doesn't have to be hot springs. That could just be a really hot bath at home. Although I encourage people to put bath salts in the bath at home. You can put magnesium salts and Epsom salts to sort of get that hot spring at home experience. Mm -hmm. So the more you do it, the more benefits you'll see. So how often do you go in the hot spring in the sauna? Out of interest? Well, I live about an hour from Peninsula Hot Springs, so I don't go there that often, although I've got this dream job where I'm you know, the medical director of the Hot Spring Group and they have hot springs all over Australia. So I do a lot of travelling to hot springs all over the world. What's your favourite one that you've been to? Maruya Hot Springs in New Zealand. Really? It's in the South Island. It's pristine property, yep. a four-acre property within 400,000 acres of Alpine National Park. So you're surrounded by snow-capped mountains all around and... The water, there's a a mountain stream that flows down through the property, which drives a hydroelectric station. So the whole property is off the grid and you've got this pristine mountain water that Uh you can shower in, but then you've got this natural hot spring water that comes up from the ground. And is that warm or cold? That's really hot. Oh, okay. That would be my preference. But the mountain water (laughs) 
is freezing. Yeah, so bet. they have a cold plunge pool there that in winter it freezes over, you know, there's ice in it. So you can go from the sauna or the steam room or the really hot pools into the cold plunge and then they have the relaxing pools there as well. I might have to put that on my list. It's an amazing place <laughs> in the South Island of New Zealand. And so apart from sleeping, is there anything you should be doing post your hot spring experience or if you've used the sauna, you know, you're kind of using that heat therapy? Is there, is there any advice you have for post that? Absolutely. So it's really important to drink, to, mm-hmm. to stay really well hydrated. When you go into the heat, your blood is vasodilating, your heart is beating a lot harder, mm-hmm. and then it's going through your liver and kidneys and you tend to pee more, which is mm-hmm. great because you're getting rid of any toxic buildup, but you want to keep really well hydrated. Mm-hmm. Resting afterwards. And the other one is to be really aware of what's happening in your own body. So you don't really want to do hot springs when you're under the influence of drugs or alcohol. You, you want to be sort of conscious of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you want to have an idea of your own tolerance, which changes depending on how you feel. Like if you've had a, you know, a bad week or if you've got a lot of anxiety or mental things to worry about, your tolerance won't be as high for the heat or the cold as it will be when you're relaxed and together. And it's just nice to notice that and not to go beyond your limits. So it's nice to be able to feel comfortably uncomfortable but you don't want to be uncomfortably uncomfortable. And I recommend people leave the hot springs without showering afterwards. So the minerals in the hot spring water coat your skin and you actually absorb minerals through your skin and your skin actually feels really nice after bathing in the hot spring water. Yeah, I must say I went to do some like thermal baths on my birthday recently and it was the best day. I felt so relaxed. I had a little nap on the way home. <laughs> it was awesome. I can't tell you how many times I've been at Peninsula Hot Springs because I've been there since it's it's opened, I've been going yeah. there and I'll be driving home on the East Link on the freeway yeah. and I'm slapping myself to stay awake because I'm just, yeah. I just want to, you just want to you know, sleep because it is, yeah. you sleep really well and it's very, very relaxing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Mark Cohen. We'll have to send our audience down to the Peninsula Hot Springs to experience everything we've spoken about today if they haven't been. We've just opened a new hot springs in Meetung in Gippsland Lakes. Oh, nice. Yeah. You can be in these beautiful hot pools overlooking the Gippsland Lakes in nature looking out. And they've got accommodation there as well. We're opening one in Kanamala in outback Queensland, which opens in a couple of months. Oh, cool. And there's one opening in Phillip Island I think by the end of this year. So there's hot springs opening up all around and there's one in Warrnambool on the West Coast. In fact, there are hot springs all over the world. Often they're owned by the councils and if you can find your local hot spring, it's just such a great resource. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Great to chat. My pleasure. Hannah, what is your product we didn't know we needed today? Mine today is the Bondi Boost Pink Salt Scrub. So I think Bondi Boost is a new brand at Adore. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've heard of this brand a lot. Has this been all over Instagram? Yeah. I actually have tried their Pink Salt Sea Scrub. I love a scalp scrub because anytime I put any product in my hair – I just have such a sensitive scalp to products. Yeah, you do, don't you? I do. Like I mostly don't use product anymore because I like pretty much, I I end up getting a really sensitive scalp. Mm. I don't know what the deal is with that. But if I am using product in my hair, I really like to get out that product buildup. 
And I really liked this salt scrub. So in terms of the ingredients, it's got pink salt, which is a natural exfoliant. So that will help to remove dead skin cells and product buildup on the scalp. It's also got sweet almond oil, which I think is really nice because I didn't find this scrub to be drying Mm. because that sweet almond oil will add softness to the hair. It's got vitamin E, which will help to protect the scalp from damage caused by free radicals and green coffee, which is is rich in caffeine. Does it stimulate hair growth? Anyway, I think that's good for for the scalp. Mm -hmm. Do you know much about coffee for the scalp? It doesn't look like coffee. Like it's not like you're putting coffee in your hair. Is it very scrubby? Yes, it is scrubby. Like it's not to the point, like what I liked about it, it's kind of got a mask texture. It's not like a straight scrub that really like dries out. It definitely doesn't dry yeah. your hair out, but you can definitely feel it as you're scrubbing. The only thing I'll say is sometimes I find these scalp scrubs a little bit difficult to use because you've really got to get in there. You've really got to get in there and like get into the scalp and really scrub it. And I've got lots of hair. I find it helps to have really wet hair. Okay. Like if your hair is very wet, like you've just dipped it under the shower and then you put that on, I find it's easier to get to your scalp that way. So if you've never done a scalp scrub, I really love them. I do them probably, oh, it's probably not as much as I'd like, once a fortnight. What about you? It's really good for your scalp health because it clears away that dead skin, the product buildup. So it kind of helps with that cell turnover. And it probably does help with hair growth in the long run because you're Mm. clearing away the dead skin and encouraging blood flow and, you know, all of that stuff. I probably use my scalp scrub, oh, yeah, probably once a fortnight as well. I reckon. Someone had said he in future I would get a scrubbing tool so I could really get in there. Not sure if it works as well without one. So there is actually this. Have you tried the strand scalp brush? I haven't, but it's like a silicon paddle. Bristle scalp brush yeah. to exfoliate away dead skin and stimulate the scalp for better formula absorption. There you go. So you could definitely use one of those tools to get right in there. But I haven't used one before, surprisingly. What is yours today, Joe? Mine is also a hair product. It's a shampoo that I've been using lately. I've done three washes with it and it's my new favorite shampoo. And I've been wanting to try this for ages because as you all know, my hair has been falling out since I came off the pill. It is improving though. I will give you an updated report. I'm getting a lot of new growth. Good. My boyfriend said the other day, I look like Big Bird. (sighs) Because I have all this hair just in my part line, just sticking up. Sprouting. I've never had that before. So, yes, there's a lot of baby hair going on. So, I think it's growing back, but I'm still getting quite a bit of hair fall. So, the product that is my PWG KWN today is the Kerasas Genesis Fortifying Shampoo and Conditioner. Now, this is particularly designed for hair fall. So, it's meant to reduce hair fall. But, I mean, I'm too early on to even say anything about it affecting that or affecting the thickness of my hair. But it makes my hair feel so clean, Mm. like so clean, so shiny. I just feel like it stays cleaner for longer. And I don't know if it's that placebo of like when you use a new shampoo and you're like, oh, yeah, this is working really well. And after a while it just kind of eases off and it's like a regular shampoo. Sometimes when I switch to a new shampoo, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then it goes back to normal. But this I'm really, really loving. And the conditioner I find really quite nourishing for my hair as well, which I love because I don't like when a conditioner is designed for finer hair, which this shampoo is, and then it's not hydrating enough and it's not rich enough. So 
I really do appreciate both formulas. People in the reviews were saying that it keeps their hair healthy and shiny, smells amazing, which I have to agree with. A lot of people recommended it by their hairdresser. And they said that it makes their hair feel light and fresh immediately after a wash, which I definitely concur with. Yeah, that's my product I didn't know I needed today. Obviously, being Kerastars, it's not the most affordable hair product, but... Their products are good, though. It's a good product. (laughs) You can't deny that. I also, on the hair product topic, I had a a product that I talked about the other week. It was Virtue, one of the curl products. Yeah, the curl cream. It was in a tub that looked like a mask. The product is in a tub that looked like a hair mask. I didn't read the instructions at all. I just took it into the shower (laughs) and used it as a mask. (laughs) And I put it on as a mask and I actually left it in for a bit and then I washed it out and I was like, this really doesn't feel like a hair mask. It's not really like washing out. Like it's, you know, like it doesn't feel like a mask. Anyway, three washes later, I finally read what's on the the tub. It's actually a, a curl butter that you leave in. So I did talk about this as a product we didn't know we needed. So if you did go and buy it and you use it, I can't remember if I said it was a mask or not. I don't think you did because I would have said to you that's not. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I just feel like an idiot. I was like, how did I not? It's because it was in a a mask tub. And yeah. I just was like, oh, assumed it was a mask. And it's in the same, yeah, it's in the same packaging as all their other masks in their range. So I can understand why you thought that, but maybe totally. just check next time. <laughs> so it's in the orange tub. If you have that product, it is not a mask, it is a butter. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Just wanted yep. to, you know, like when articles make a mistake in their articles and yeah. they write editor's note, I feel like yes. I'm just having, I'm inserting <laughs> that now. Well, you apparently have some water flosser recommendations, which I'm very interested to hear. I don't. I don't have any – this is me asking for – okay, so let me tell you the story. I was hoping you would be able to tell me one. She's put in here water flosser recommendations. I want to know. I went to the dentist. The dentist said my gums, everything, my teeth are good except – because flossing for me is really hard because I have a plate under both top and bottom. So I can floss all the other teeth, but the ones with the plate on the top, I actually have to get one of those – string people with plates will understand you have to get a piece of it's like you buy a special floss that you have to slot through the middle of your tooth and Mm. thread it through it is so time consuming Uh. to try to get that anyway my mum said to me she said to get a water pick is it a water yeah water pick yeah so i'm in chemist warehouse and i don't know what to get and then i go online last night i'm like googling best water pick they look so big I'm like I don't know which one to get so this was my call out I just don't know how I would use that without getting water all over the bathroom I'd like to do it in the shower but then there's some that like you can get portable ones but I think then you have to fill the water up all the time it seems like a really confusing I need more info so could you please let me know. If you have an amazing water flosser, let me know. I'm going to buy it mm. and then we will come back and I'll tell you if it's good and then, Joe, you can buy it. Well, Hannah, you put that in the Facebook sure. group and then we'll get people to comment their recommendations. So we're waiting for your recommendations, everyone, because I want one too. <laughs> yep. I feel like this is like going to be revolutionary for my flossing. Well, I've heard the people that have tried them, like I've heard a few yep. people say, that they are obsessed with them and would never go back to regular flossing. 
but I just can't help to think that it's going to be messy. Well, I did read on one of the reviews last night that it is messy because it's high water pressure. Yeah, so you would have to do it in the shower. Someone said that they had flossed and then they'd use the water thing and more gunk Uh, came out. uh, And so they said, obviously, the flossing's not actually cleaning it as well as it should. Yeah, okay. Interesting. By the way, the reason I didn't buy it last night online is because they're not that cheap. Even at Chemist Warehouse prices. At least 100. Oof. <laughs> Goodness, better wait for a 40% off. <laughs> so <laughs> I looked on Shaver Shop. I looked at all the, like, who had discounted. And actually a door, maybe it's something a door could look into, like a cool water flosser brand. Yeah, actually. I don't know. Why we haven't need we it. got that? We really need it. Unless we get sponsored by a water pick company. And maybe the marketing manager at Waterpix listening. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> you sent me like three different devices to try and I'll like review the best one. <laughs> All right. Well, see you next week. That's it. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. <laughs>